have had some really great conversations in the last couple of weeks with people talking about wanting to grow in their faith. And I was just talking to somebody the other day who was telling me how they're trying to grow in their faith and they feel like they are a bit, but they were also struggling. And, and I just love conversations like that because I think that, you know, as a follower of Jesus and, and I think as a pastor, I think that it's important for us to always be leaning into growing. And, and I always like to remind people that we should be trying to discern if we're moving forward in our faith. And for me, some of the most, I think, most impactful moments in my life when I grew spiritually was when I went into situations where I had to take a risk or to do something that I was uncomfortable for, uh, with doing. Um, I grew up and I never had a desire to go to Africa like, I grew up in the church, and so back in the 80s and 90s, that's what every super Christian person would say. And just out of curiosity, how many of you remember the song was on Christian radio saying the words, please don't send me to Africa? Does anybody remember that song? No, none of you? Oh, I'm going to bless you right now. Go home and YouTube the words, please don't send me to Africa. It is the best song of all time. I mean, the 80s were basically around for that purpose, that song. Um, but anyway, I, I never grew up that way. And my, my sister, as a young girl, I think she was probably eight or nine, uh, they had a missionary come and speak in kids' church. And she heard this person talk about missions. And so as an eight-year-old, she said, hey, I want to do that. And so one of my sisters you know, ended up after college, she went and moved to um, Israel. She was a missionary in Scotland. She was a missionary in all these different locations all over the world, um, largely because of that. And so she really had a heart for that, and I didn't. I just never had that. And so when I was probably 29 years old, I finally had an invitation to go to, to Kenya. And I went and joined a group of people. And one of the things that, that happened is when we were going there, um, I was told all these things that I'd have to do, and I was like kind of freaking out a bit about them because I was uncomfortable with the idea of having to you know, just randomly speak at things. And and so we were traveling all over, and at one point in time, we went to this orphanage in a city called Kakamega. And uh, there was, it was a boys' orphanage, and there were probably 90 kids there. And, and at this time, I had, I had kind of been um, learning a bit about um, hearing from the Holy Spirit. You know, I'd been pastoring for three or four years. It's a great space to start to learn to hear from God. And I was, I was trying to be really intentional um, at following the, the direction of God. I, I just had a curiosity, how many of you in the last month have had a moment where you felt like God spoke to you in your heart or you had some type of thing that happened where you, like, you felt like God nudged you? Just out of curiosity, how many of you felt that way? Okay, a few of you. And then when that happens, it's always a dilemma, isn't it? It's like, am I going to do this or am I not? And like sometimes it's weird stuff. Like I... I've shared before, I was at a grocery store one time, and this guy with all these, like, eye drop tattoos was next to me, who I was pretty sure had murdered all these people <laughs> because of the eye drop tattoo. And I felt like the Lord told me to go pray for him, and I was like, I don't think he wants my prayer, Lord. And I had this big, long argument, and finally I, you know, I went over there and did it. But it's always this, this moment where, you know, you feel like you're going to take a risk. And again, I think that we're in this, when we're in spaces where we're uncomfortable or we have to take a risk. Those are spaces that we can grow. And so I was at this orphanage, and I was doing my best to, to hear from God. And we had 90 of the cutest kids ever. And they're all there, and they don't get cared for very often beyond their normal necessities. And, and we had brought all these different gifts for them, and we were giving them all away. And 
as we were sitting there, I, I totally felt like the Holy Spirit highlighted the volunteers. Like, just absolutely felt like it was not about the kids that we were there, which is kind of a weird thing to do and say if you're at an orphanage. And so we waited a bit, and then after, um, you know, the kids had kind of gone out and were playing, playing soccer or football, uh, we just gathered the, the volunteers up. And, and I just remember sharing that um, I had really sensed that the Holy Spirit wanted us to bless them and to pray for them and that we wanted them to know how much their service had made a difference and was making a difference in the lives of like dozens and dozens of kids. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth and a few other volunteer you know, people I was with mouths, they just started weeping. And then we prayed for them. And, and it just reminds me about how the Holy Spirit, who we've been talking about in the sermon series, the Spirit is super connected to the concept of encouragement. In fact, you know, we're, we're, we're told that He is the Spirit of comfort and encouragement. The word um, that is used for comforter actually means like fortifier or strengthener. And I want to take a moment to recognize two people, just for a moment. Um, Fred Oakley, where are you at? You haven't left for football. Come on up here for a minute. Come on. And also Mike Belitho. And please clap for these people. Just because. Um, these are minuscule gift certificates. <laughs> they, they are not worth um, what you are worth. But they are something. And I want to just point out these two people for you. Fred shows up at the church at 8 o'clock. He's here before I am and he's mad that I'm not here. Uh, and Fred... You know, you walk around outside picking up cigarette butts and trash, and you are willing to weed, and you are you are a jack-of-all-trades servant. And I just want to, on behalf of our leadership team, you we recognize that, and we really want you to know we really value that, and we, we love you. You're amazing. Mike, Mike Belitho, I've known Mike for a really long time because he was a part of our church in Wisconsin. And he's just a really good friend, and I'll cry if I talk much more about, about him. But Mike is here every single Sunday. He's, he straightens the chairs up. I used to have an OCD problem with chairs that Mike could tell you about. I don't have to anymore because Mike has OCD. All right? And it's like, oh, it's so good. Uh, but Mike, Mike is, uh, you know, an usher. He, he's also six foot plus, and I'm never worried about my safety with him around here. And so we just want you to know that we really recognize that and we value you too as well. And so we hope you too are encouraged. You encourage us every single week, and so we love you. God bless you guys. So this idea of the spirit connected to encouragement would be something we could spend some time talking about. But, you know, um, in a few weeks, though, I want to go back to this idea of mission trips. In, in, In August, on the 11th through the 15th, um, our church is once again heading down to Ensenada. And we're going to take a, a number of days, five days, uh, and we're going to spend some time with the church down there. And, and so if you're in a position where you can attend that, if you could go from the 11th to the 15th of August, and the cost is going to be probably less than $500. But if that's something you can do and you are able to, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's one of the best places to grow. Being in a position of taking a risk and being in an uncomfortable space is, is one of the best ways to, to grow, I think. We're going to be working a lot with kids this time, and so if you have a heart for cute kids, this will be your, your trip. So for the past month, you know, like I was saying, we've been in this sermon series on the Holy Spirit, 
And we've been thinking about, I guess, a number of questions. And again, the goal for us has been to kind of understand who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does. And, and, and I was really reminded about the relational aspect of the Spirit because um, I was thinking about my journey. You know, I grew up in charismatic Pentecostal world, and I thought all this stuff was crazy trained until I started having some significant encounters with God. And as I studied theology, I started to come to the place of understanding that most of my experiences were with the presence of God, the power of God, whom I believe is the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And, and it might seem like kind of weird to think about having a relationship with the Spirit. Many of us in church can think about having a relationship with Jesus because that's generally how we position our faith. But the Bible also teaches about having a relationship with the Spirit. And I'm reminded of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, where he says this. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia, and it can mean partnership or fellowship. And it, and it has this idea of relationship, though. And so when we start to think about our faith through a lens of relationship with the Spirit, it begins to, I think, challenge us a little bit. And so part of my sense is that many people are really confused by the Holy Spirit. I think that they also maybe are frustrated by certain church cultures that push these charismatic experiences on people. And, and we've talked about introverts and extroverts a little bit last week. But I also think a lot of people are kind of weirded out by the mystery of the Spirit. Or, or I was even thinking about this morning how in Acts chapter 19, when Paul goes to the city of Ephesus, he discovers a number of followers of Jesus, of disciples, and he, he asks them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so for hundreds and hundreds of years, many theologians have noticed throughout church history that, that the Holy Spirit was the neglected person of the Trinity. Many churches didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. So, so far as we've been in this sermon series, we have talked about a number of things up to this point. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit is God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, this is the great mystery of the Christian faith, how there is one God who exists eternally as three persons. And many people are, are confused by the doctrine of the Trinity, but the fact remains that the Bible teaches that there is one God who exists as three persons. And so the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be naturally supernatural. And if anything that we're learning from this is that you can pray for people without having to be a weirdo. Amen? You don't have... Amen? I need you to be okay with not being weird for my sake. Okay? Uh, we also have talked about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray. In fact, Jesus in Luke 11 says that we should ask, seek, and knock, and keep on asking and seeking and knocking. And then he connects it to how an earthly father would give good gifts to his children, how much more would the, the Father, the Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And then last week, Don and I spent some time talking about how the Holy Spirit empowers both introverts and extroverts together, and that we want to be a church where everybody regardless of their personality uh, traits, would be willing to, to serve and would use their giftings and would be stretched and yet would also recognize how they have been wired. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about the relationship between holiness, holiness and the Holy Spirit. 
But I want to start by reading a passage of scripture and then we're going to pray. And so for this morning, our passage of scripture we're going to be looking at is Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. And so Paul writes these words. He says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when, the adop- when He adopted you as His own children. Listen to this. This is, again, one of the reasons why I believe every follower of Jesus has the indwelling presence of, of the Spirit, because Paul says so. He says, instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in His glory, we must also share His sufferings. And so, Father, as we spend a few moments here leaning into this idea of holiness and what it is and what it isn't, would you, by the power of your Spirit, help us to become more like Jesus? Would you help us to be more engaged in your mission? And would you help us to reach more people with your amazing, radical, unconditional love? We pray this in your name. You know, I've been thinking about this idea of holiness, though, in the Holy Spirit, because like the word holy precedes spirit when we're talking about the third person in Trinity. And so holiness would seem to be a topic that we should spend some time talking about. And I really believe that if God is real, if God is real, we should care about his plans, his purposes, and his goals. Would you agree? If, if there is a creator, if God is the creator, we should care about what his purposes are, what his goals are, what his plans are, what his desires are, what his will is. And one of God's goals and purposes and desires for each one of us is that we would be holy. But I think the concept of holiness is somewhat misunderstood in the church. By and large, I think many people in the church misunderstand what holiness is and what holiness isn't. So before I I define what I think the Bible teaches holiness as, I want to talk a little bit about what holiness isn't. And so we're going to talk for a few minutes here about what holiness isn't. So when I think about what holiness isn't, holiness isn't perfectionism. Holiness isn't perfectionism. And that's just the need for us to be or to appear to be perfect. Um, or it's, it's even the belief that it's possible to achieve perfection by ourselves. And so I think it's important we realize that holiness isn't perfection. Some of us are like, we know that. And some of us are like, we need to hear that. The second thing that I think holiness isn't is holiness isn't checklist morality. And what I mean by that is having a piece of paper with all these do's and don'ts and just going throughout the day checking things, just doing the right things. Did you know that's exactly what the Pharisees did? The Pharisees had a checklist morality system where they knew that the Old Testament could be broken down into about 613 laws, and they would do all that they could to check the boxes of those things. And what we see is Jesus is constantly 
confronting the Pharisees and, and trying to explain to the Pharisees that checklist morality is still rooted in this idea that we can save ourselves because we just do the right things. And he's constantly saying that that is not the holiness that God is after. In fact, one of my favorite passages of scripture is in Philippians chapter 3. And so Paul, um, if you are new to the Bible, Paul wrote a significant part of the New Testament. And Paul wrote these letters to certain churches. And by the time he writes to the church in Philippi, he's been a follower of Jesus for quite a long time. It's around 61, 62 AD. He's been following Jesus since around 34, 35 AD, 32, depending on how you date Jesus' death. So he's been following Jesus for about 30 years. And, and he's been pretty serious about that. And what he says is he says, listen, in, in Philippians 3, he says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I knew and spoke Hebrew. I would know all of the rules and regulations of the Jewish religion. I did everything blameless. I was perfect. I kept all the rules. Then he says, but all of those things I counted as rubble. He says in the the Greek, skubalon, he counted it as crap. And he says, all those things that I was doing didn't amount to anything because the only way we can truly have righteousness or holiness is through Jesus' death on the cross. And so we need to realize that that holiness isn't checklist morality. If you're just trying to keep certain rules and certain doing certain things, then you kind of are missing what holiness actually is. And then thirdly, holiness isn't trying to be someone you aren't. Um, I think that that's very common. I had a wonderful conversation with somebody this week who was talking about how sometimes our faith can be part of our personality. Where we don't have a true following Jesus faith, we just have these things that we're doing because we look up to somebody who maybe is spiritual or something like that. But holiness isn't trying to be someone you aren't. Holiness is not trying to be someone you aren't. And then finally, holiness isn't just being afraid to go to hell. And I think a lot of times that is the type of holiness that is present in churches. Is like, I just want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And so whatever I got to do to do that. So the question then remains, what is holiness? What does it mean to be holy or to be sanctified would be another word or to be set apart? What does it mean to be holy? I think the most helpful way to think about defining what holiness is centers on Jesus. And this is how I define it. Holiness is becoming more like Jesus the Christ. If you want to know what it means to be holy, it means you're more like Jesus. Because Jesus was 100% sinless and didn't break any of the rules or regulations of God. He did everything with the right intentions. He didn't just do things without having his, his feelings and his emotions and his desires connected to pleasing God. And this, folks, is why I think we need to dig into Romans chapter 8. Because Paul indicates here that our identity as followers of Jesus is as children of God. You and I, first and foremost, are loved by God and we are his, his children, his, his heirs. And so what Paul does there is he, sh- he says that the key to living as people who are holy and set apart, who are overcoming sin is connected to our identity as children of God. We are his people who have been freed from the curse of sin. Does this make sense to you? How, how if we're not careful, the desire to be holy 
just becomes the desire to, to do the, the things that, that are supposedly religious and spiritual, but missing the heart behind it. And that's really what I think Paul helps us do here. So here's the reality, though. I really believe that when it comes to holiness, there's these ditches that the church can really easily lean into that are really unhelpful. And so here's what they are. The two ditches that the church can fall into when it comes to talking about sin or holiness is this. Number one, it's legalism. And legalism is the ditch that has no grace, right? No grace at all. If you do anything wrong, you're out. And I know a lot of people who have church backgrounds who got kicked out of churches because they smoked a cigarette once or they said something wrong and then it's like, er, you're out. So that is one ditch. The second ditch, I think, is licentiousness, which is simply lacking moral restraints. And so there's these two ditches. And, and I think as followers of Jesus, we have to realize that we're trying to thread the needle here and maintain the tensions where there's grace and yet there's this desire to live our lives in a way that pleases God. And it's, it's both of those things. There's tension there. On one hand, we need to take seriously God's desire for us to be like Jesus. And being like Jesus means being more holy, more set apart, surrendered to God, where we actually believe our lives are lives of worship. I mean, this is so important to Paul. He writes elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians 4 these words. He says, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like the pagans who do not know God in his ways. He says, never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So we have this emphasis on, on, on morality and, and having an ethical life where we align our lives to the teachings of Jesus. But on the other hand, we also need to remember that there's grace. And God is not afraid of the messes that we create. I mean, but God's grace is the significant and in all of Scripture. I think we have to remind ourselves that it's, 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 it's important for us to live in a way that's pleasing to Jesus because that's more fulfilling and more life-giving. But at the same time, too, there's grace for our mistakes. In our, and we have a God who gives second chances all the time. And I want to just tell you, I'm not standing up here pointing my finger at you folks as if you're the sinner. I'm well aware that I am a sinner and I am broken and I am in need of grace. And so it's always this tension. I think that the church has oftentimes not done a very good job of threading this needle. But we need to remember that we all at one point in time have struggled with sin or are currently struggling with sin. And that's why we need the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I think that the problem that the church has is that it often forgets its own history. Like we forget our own history and our own necessity of grace. And we become to look down on people and we judge people and we become judge and jury. But I think we need to remember that we once were folks who needed grace. One of my favorite quotes of all time is by D.T. Niles. And he says these words. He says that Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar 
where he found some bread. And so the problem that the church has oftentimes is that it's not able to thread the needle and to keep these tensions where we are we're, we're realizing and recognizing that God does call for us to become like Jesus, but that we're all doing that in different ways and we're all growing in different spaces. And, and we need to do a better job, I think, of leaning into grace, mercy, love, but also lean into truth as well and realize that the tensions of those things are the way of the kingdom. So as I've been thinking about holiness this week, you know, I couldn't help but, but think about how Paul positions this call to become like Jesus through the lens of becoming children of God. So for us, I think our holiness, our, our desire to be holy is connected to our identity as children of God. In other words, our desires to please our Heavenly Father and to become like Jesus should be the motivation for us to live more like Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand up together. I'm going to invite Don up here and Jamie Muir as well. So, like, I all week was kind of having, like, um, flashbacks of my childhood when I would be at churches that would talk about holiness and I would leave feeling like I was the worst person in the world. Do you feel that way too? <laughs> and, and that's really, I think, missing out what, what we're trying to do here. Is really, I think, there's two, those two things. So like on one hand, the idea that it doesn't matter how you live is not a biblical idea. Are you with me? Like, God actually does care how we live our lives. How you treat people matters. Amen? And we, we need to do our best to become more like Jesus. I mean, that's, this is reality. I mean, God actually desires our holiness. He wants us to become more like Jesus. And so all of the things that we struggle with, the things that we're doing that are outside of God's will or outside of God's desires, we should, we should do the hard work and and turn those things over to God and ask for God's help so we can overcome those things. But here's the other side of that, that coin, and this is the good news. Despite how sucky you and I can be, God loves us. Amen? And there's grace, and there's mercy, and there's new beginnings. And, and so it's this tension where we're always trying to thread these things, I think. We're threading this needle between wanting to become more like Jesus and yet recognizing when we aren't like Jesus so we can ask for God's help more so we can become like Jesus. And so I want to encourage you all with these words uh, that we've shared from the scriptures today. Like you don't have to, you don't have to live your life in a way that's outside of God's desires. The Holy Spirit has been given to each one of us to help us through those situations. And so I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes now if that would help you just to kind of posture ourselves a bit to hear from the Lord.
can just keep your um, eyes closed. Um, as Luke was sharing this message, um, it's, it's our human nature to maybe even point fingers at other people that you're associated through um, throughout the week um, and recognizing their sin or their struggles. Um, but we also have to look at ourselves too. And no matter how big or how little they are, um, I just want to pray that uh, that we would be able just to open up our lives, open up our minds and our hearts, Lord, and just be honest with you of what we struggle with on a weekly basis, a daily basis. And I also want to encourage um, anyone who is feeling that tug in their heart that I know what I'm doing is wrong. We all have something, whether it's a bad attitude, um, anger, stress, anxiety, um, you know, just you just can't get out of your rut. I just want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives right now. And we just invite you, Lord, to cleanse our mind and cleanse our heart and that we can start a new beginning starting today, Lord. I pray that just for encouragement, Lord, with whatever anyone is going through, I pray that your presence would rest on each one of us and that we would be changed. We would make that decision to change. And I think, too, um, just have this sense that that there's a, a number of us in this room who are having a sense of conviction. You know, like, as we've been, been together, the Holy Spirit may have highlighted some things in your life that you're just, you know, that are, are outside of God's will or desire, however you want to word it. it just, you just know that there's a better way to live. And it reminds me that, you know, years ago, there was a preacher who, who had uh, led someone to the Lord that, like, had a biker gang past and had sold drugs and all this stuff. And was really pretty rough guy and he said hey why don't you go home and pray about what you need to repent of turn from and so the guy's like all right i'm gonna figure it out and all week long he's praying he came back and he said i got a bunch of stuff um you know that i was dealing with and i prayed and i felt like the lord highlighted one thing the preacher's like all right well what is it and he said i feel like god's convicted me of biting my nails and he was like that's it and the point is is that the holy spirit can reveal things all over this room and so some of you need to, need to hear that you can actually be freed from sexual brokenness. That's, you can be freed from that. Some of you need to hear that you can be freed from addictions. Some of you need to hear that you can be freed from gossip or anger or unforgiveness. Or There's so many things that God can be doing in our lives. And so I just want to pray for everybody right now. And so, Father, I pray for everybody in this room, Lord, that that we would not leave this place feeling condemned for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we do thank you for conviction that your spirit may be moving in this room in a way that, that maybe we feel uncomfortable with, but those, those moments of being uncomfortable are oftentimes where you are at work. And so we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you that the Bible teaches us that as far as the east 
is from the West. You take our sins and, and cast them that far away. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you that you have given us the spirit to free us and to empower us and to draw us to a place of becoming more and more like Jesus. And Father, I pray that our church community, in addition to being known for love and kindness and grace, that we would be a church that's known for holiness, not in the religious, pharisaical, checklist, morality way, but just known as people who care deeply about being like Jesus. And so, Father, as we transition from this space of, of singing these songs and praying these prayers and receiving communion and being reminded of your death for us and, and engaging with Scripture, Lord, would you, through those different, different activities, continue to help us to become like Jesus so that way, when we're in the world, we can make a difference. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you again for joining us this morning. Please feel free to come uh, next week at 10 o'clock. Invite your neighbors, friends, coworkers, and um, just uh, rele- make sure you relieve, if you do have kids in the back, relieve the workers, and just maybe thank you, uh, say a thank you to them for volunteering too. So um, thank you again. Happy 4th of July, and I hope you guys have a great uh, rest of your day. Thanks.